Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Wednesday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. All new pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Great sales staff and great service department as well. Loaded show coming up today. Lots more talk on the Alliance and the press conference yesterday. We heard all of our reaction from Steve and had some played some back some audio. You heard more from Sandy Barber with Steve a couple minutes ago. BTN's Dave Rebson, who anchored BTN's coverage of that presser will join us at 335 today and then we'll also have Frank Bodani from the York Daily Record at 435 and we're also going to get into some Eagles talk today Eagles finishing up joint practices today with the Jets they will play at MetLife on Friday night in the final preseason game and so ESPN South Jersey's John McMullen is back and he'll join us at 406 for the latest on that still unsure if Jalen Hurts is going to play Friday night, I think he should. I would think for two, three series, just so we can get more game reps under his belt. But it seems like these joint practices have been very productive for the Eagles, both when they practiced against New England last week and against the Jets this week. Eagles, according to the writers, are essentially 4-0 in those joint practices. So... A lot of good things, I guess, we're seeing from Jalen Hurts and the offense here and there. The defensive line apparently has dominated, which shouldn't be that surprising because it is quietly still loaded. And Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, uh, Derek Barnato, though, has been hurt. Javon Hargrave, the former Steeler, who was a little bit injured last year, and it looks like he's fully healthy now and playing like the way he was when he was with the Steelers. So, And, of course... You've had a couple other uh, standouts on the defensive line as well. And so that wasn't really too surprising for me for the Eagles defensive line having a good couple of days of joint practices with the Jets. So John McMullen joins us at 4.06 today. And now back to the Alliance and more on that yesterday. One other... I guess takeaway from me is everybody is 
fighting for control. Like, just all-out control. Everyone wants to be kind of methodical with this, and Kevin Warren even mentioned that a couple of days ago when talking about if they're going to bring in, if they're going to expand the, with talk of expanding the college football playoff. There's Everyone just wants control. Everyone can say they trust each other, Steve, in this alliance, but there's still no trust. The only thing they agree on is nobody trusts the SEC. <laughs> I mean, it, trust is very important. That explains the problems we're having with our staff meetings. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I felt like I was watching an episode of Seinfeld. And, of course, we all know, what was the premise of Seinfeld? It's a show about nothing. <laughs> and that's about why I thought. I said, I think we're watching Seinfeld. Do you have a Do you have an agreement? No. When are you going to start playing football? I don't know. When are you going to start playing basketball? I don't know. Uh, what are you going to do about the playoff? We don't know. <laughs> but we're going to be methodical about it. It's <laughs> like. Is this a reaction to the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas? No. No. Really? Really? Okay. For the Big 12 matters. Oh. Oh, and the Big 12 matters. Well, if they matter so much, how much? How come they weren't in the meeting? Exactly. <laughs> they weren't even invited to the meeting. Now, look, let, let me, let's... Uh, this is something where... Uh, I don't. I don't want them backing off in the twelve-team playoff at all. I don't want them backing off at all. But I will quickly make this point about the twelve-team playoff. The NCAA did put together. I think it was the presidents are the ones that put together this four-member committee. All right, and you got you know four really good people in there: Jack Swarbrick of Notre Dame, the commissioner of the Mountain West, Craig Thompson. The commissioner of the Big 12, Bob Bowles, being the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey. Now, so let's get to Greg Sankey for a moment. Okay? Greg Sankey is in these meetings, crafting the, help, helping to craft a 12-team playoff. Okay. So he's helping to craft the 12-team playoff. All right. But he's the one sitting in the room the only one sitting in the room, including the Big 12 commissioner, that knows there is a distinct possibility Texas and Oklahoma are coming to his conference and you are losing them. Hmm. And, well, you know, I mean, do you think Texas and Oklahoma just gave him a phone call in July and said, hey, we'd like to come over? That's great. This stuff has been in one form or another in the works, according to reporting, since, I don't know, about January, I guess. Right? January, February, somewhere in there. It was like six months. Okay. So Sankey at least had a feel for what was going on with the future landscape of college sports as he was helping to put together a 12-team playoff, which, by the way, I think is, is an excellent I think the 12-team playoff is well-conceived. Bowlesby's trying to put this thing together, thinking he's got Texas and Oklahoma. Okay. 
Thompson, it doesn't matter. Swarbrick, it doesn't matter. I mean, the Mountain West doesn't care where all these pieces land. And Notre Dame's Notre Dame. But that, you know, but think of it. There's one guy in the room that knows what the future is going to look like. And the other three, and especially one other, does not. One is one knows that in a, in a power world, his power is about to expand. The other one, whose power is about to be dramatically diminished, has no clue what's going to happen. That's why, at some point, it's not a be-all, end-all, but college basketball needs a, a commissioner or an overseer of the sport. And college football needs the same. The lack of trust that Matt just talked about is when you have everybody trying to protect their own fiefdom. That's where a lack of trust comes into play. And And that's where it comes into play. Everybody is out there. Is anybody really doing anything? I mean, in the end, it may benefit college football, but is anybody doing everything that is actually in the best interest of the sport? Or are they doing elements in the best interest of them? It's interesting how college football has not really changed in a lot of ways since the 60s and 70s. And I'll give you an example. Before the Texas-Oklahoma, excuse me, before the Oklahoma-Georgia Supreme Court ruling that opened up TV to everybody, there was a game of the week for the NCAA. The NCAA was in charge. This was their contract. It was their baby. They had a game of the week maybe once in a great while, especially late in the season. Maybe they'd have a doubleheader. Hey, Michigan's playing Ohio State and USC, UCLA. Okay. But you got a game a week. So who was featured in the game of the week? Well, you always had Texas, Oklahoma. You always had Notre Dame, USC. You always had USC, UCLA. You always had Oklahoma, Nebraska to go with Oklahoma, go with Oklahoma, Texas. You always had Auburn, Alabama. You always had Michigan-Ohio State. And they made sure, because of the power of it, Penn State was always on once a year. Always. I mean, Penn State was always on once a year. It may have been Ohio State one year. It may have been Stanford another year. And then there were bowl games. There weren't as many bowl games. But who were in the bowl games? The same teams I was just talking about. Texas was always in the Cotton Bowl. Oklahoma or Nebraska always happened to be in the Orange Bowl. Alabama or maybe once in a while in LSU, maybe once in a while at Georgia. you know, But mostly Alabama would be in the Sugar Bowl. Penn State played in three Orange Bowls. Penn State played in three Sugar Bowls. This is pre-1984. Penn State played in three Fiesta Bowls. 
Penn State played in three Cotton Bowls. And who'd they play? Texas. Let's go to the Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma. Let's go to the Sugar Bowl. Alabama. Let's go to the Cotton Bowl. Texas. Let's go to the Fiesta Bowl. USC. Let's go to the Fiesta Bowl. Ohio State. Let's go to the Orange Bowl. LSU. Have the names changed here? The names haven't changed in terms of who in the reality are the deep-seated brands of college football that drive TV ratings. I'll give an example. Young people, they follow different teams. Really? They do? So I'm in class last Monday, Monday this week. And I always ask, you know, your name, where you're from, hey, well, who are your favorite team? So, you know, I got a lot of, you know, my name is, I'm from southeastern Pennsylvania, you know, whatever the town happens to be, and I'm a Sixers fan. Okay. Well, this girl, Lexi. You know, my name is Lexi. I'm from, you know, whatever town. I can't remember what town she's from in southeastern Pennsylvania. It was down there. And any team Detroit. I was like, any team Detroit? Yeah, the Tigers, the Lions, the Red Wings, the Pistons. I'm looking at her like, Really? She says, my parents grew up in suburban Detroit. And so that's what they followed, so that's what I follow. Just like to be honest with you, you talk to my kids, my son Mike, my son Dan, you know what their favorite baseball team is? The Red Sox. Yeah, it's because of me. And that's now back to the point about deep-seated brands. People were USC fans, Texas fans, Oklahoma fans, Penn State fans, Michigan fans, Ohio State fans, Alabama fans, Auburn fans, Georgia fans, LSU fans. Right? What's changed in college football? What? Who drives the bus? So now let's get break it down for TV. Florida State has fallen off the map as a brand Miami has fallen off the map as a brand so all the ACC has is Clemson that's it I'm talking about an all encompassing brand and let's see how Clemson does without Trevor Lawrence okay Alabama Auburn LSU Georgia they are driving it in the SEC Now you're going to add in Texas and Oklahoma. The Big Ten has Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Now that's not to say Wisconsin isn't really good. That's not to say Michigan State basketball isn't great. No, no, no. I'm talking about brand name. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. The Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma... I'm talking about brand now, major brand that is enduring decade after decade after decade. The Big 12 has nobody. And the Pac-12 only is USC. The Pac-12 needed this alliance more than anybody else. Way more than anybody else. The ACC probably needed it too. The Big 10 didn't need it. 
Big Ten's next up on the TV contract deal. I'd spend more time on that than on alliances. You want to put some meat on the table? Get a bigger, better TV deal. Alliance, to me, is, is a side thing. Basketball scheduling part you can do right away. I mean, there's a lot of openings. Football's going to take years. I think Sandy's going to be one of those working on it. But that's going to take years to work out. But you have to do it in such a way where Penn State still has seven home games. But nothing has really changed in college football. The major brands that drove TV in the 60s, 70s, early 80s are still for essentially the same brands today. Right? Tell me I'm wrong. Dave Rosen next half hour, John McMullen, and then uh, Frank Bodani. You were going to say something profound? No, I was just agreeing with you. You're correct. Well, that's profound. All right, back with more in a moment. I mean, it's just it, it's just like if you talk to certain people right, about this radio station sports-wise, Shikolimi Football is the brand that drives the station. S-U-I-T, that spells Suta! I get no reaction from you. No, no, you're correct. I mean, you know, I mean, you. Yeah, I mean, I get no reaction from you. None. <laughs> hey, I, I know, I know. You're you're a young guy with a wife, two children. You're trying to protect your family. All right, cool. We'll come back with more in a moment. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Whatever, whatever. Mister Suit says it's true. <laughs> Our first high school football roundtable tomorrow. Great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, it's 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Dave Reps, the next half hour, we'll talk about the Alliance. And about week zero and his impression of what he saw when it came to the travels around the Big Ten. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Best in new inventory. Who has... Ford, who has Lincoln, who has Kia, who has, Sunday, who has Hyundai, Sunbury Motors does. Great pre-owned inventory. Fabulous sales department that works with you. They want to save you money. Make sure your trade-in is getting top dollar. And a fabulous service department. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. All right, so the alliance was announced yesterday. Uh, not a lot of detail to it. More questions than answers. And with that, we bring in Dave Revson from BTN. Hello, Dave. Great to have you with us. Oh, my 
pleasure, Steve. Always good to be on with you. All right. Um, the alliance was announced uh, yesterday, uh, Pac-12, ACC, Big Ten. What did you get out of that press conference? What were your takeaways from it? I think the biggest thing that I took from it, Steve, was kind of this notion that these three conferences are aligned with one another. I don't know that they totally know what form that ends up taking, although they would like to play one another more, I think, for uh, some obvious reasons. The, the biggest one would be it, it enhances schedules and I think is a way to kind of expand without expanding. Um, so I, I think that that was a, a big part of it. But realistically, it's going to be a while until they're able to kind of unwind the football schedules and get themselves to a point where they could do this on an annual basis. So I think once you get past the scheduling component of it, it felt to me like to a certain extent they were drawing a bit of a line in the sand and just kind of saying that they weren't going to let the balance of power get completely out of whack in college athletics. They weren't going to let one league, namely the SEC, uh, take too much of the power, um, that they wanted to slow things down when it came to the college football playoff and make sure that the expansion that was proposed uh, somewhat under false pretense, I would say, um, certainly without everyone being armed with all the knowledge they're armed with now, maybe that would be the best way to put it, um, that they want to make sure that that's best for their leagues. And just a, a notion that they have kind of a, a model of college athletics in mind of, of what they want it to look like and that they're all going to kind of work in alignment to, to see whether they can uh, have that model at least partially remain in place. And and just this sense that there's a power void in college athletics, that, that the NCAA, to a certain extent, has abdicated its power. And certainly when it comes to enforcement, I mean, you know, Will Wade is still coaching basketball, so that's probably all you need to know, right? <laughs> you and I are on the same page on so many things. Right? Yeah, and so, and so like, what, who's in charge here? And, and it's pretty clear that on that level, there isn't really anyone in charge. And, and so who's going to take that power and who's going to determine where it goes from here, maybe more, more accurately? And, and so they essentially wanted to say, hey, philosophically, we're together here. And whatever that looks like, whatever form that takes, we don't know. And we could have sat in a room for two years and tried to figure out what it does mean and, and come at you with a, a 20 bullet point plan. But the truth of the matter is in those two years, things could have changed so dramatically that, that you would have had to tear the thing up. So let's just come out and say that we're together, we're aligned, we have similar ideals, and we're gonna work together to figure out where this thing is going. Because uh, two years ago, we didn't think we'd be talking about all these issues. Just so you said two right. years, it changes. Uh, interesting that the four-person group that had been working on the college football playoff, and it's now expanded to a larger group, but the four-person group included Craig Thompson, Mountain West, great, uh, included Bob Bowlesby, Big 12, Greg Sankey, SEC, and Jack Swarbrick from Notre Dame. It did not include anybody from the Big Ten, the ACC, or, or the Pac-12. Uh, is is that part of where it's they're coming from? Do you think when it comes to the twelve-team playoff that you know the committees are set set up in such a way, but they didn't have a voice at the original table? Absolutely. I'm mean, thinking about Bob Bowlesby. I mean, he's sitting here nodding his head alongside Greg Sankey, presumably saying, "Yeah, this is a great plan." And all the while, he has no idea that Greg Sankey knows in the back of his mind 
that the two most important schools, and some might argue uh, in terms of the, I, I don't want to in any way minimize like the importance of Texas Tech, Iowa State, oh, no. whatever, because because those schools are important. I think the shame of all of this is that those schools are, are going to be left out of this equation, likely, and those are proud schools, those remaining schools in, in the Big 12. But in terms of the power structure of college athletics, the two schools that far and away mattered the most in, in the world of Bob Bowlesby, little did he know, as he sat there next to Greg Sankey and nodded his head approvingly as they just decided on this 12-team plan, that those two teams were going away. And Greg Sankey knew that, and he didn't. So, so yeah, like, let's, now that everyone knows the same information, let's get back in a room and let's figure out what's best for everyone. And what works for Greg Sankey may not work for everyone else. And it may not work for Bob Bowlesby anymore. And, and so let's kind of see where this thing is now that, that we have a little bit more of a sense of, of what's actually happening here. So, yeah, I, I think the fact that, that those three leagues had no seat at the table and that one of the commissioners was in there armed with information that the rest of the group didn't have. Sure. I mean, yeah, let's slow the roll a little bit and, and go back and, and see what works for the rest of the group. It's interesting that before I uh, talked to you, I was, I was teaching my class this morning. And one of the themes was being there. In other words, if you're going to be in sports media, be there. You just, and I, I cited you as an example because of the play-by-play work you do in basketball and because of the camp tour, being there. So in making your camp tour, this is week zero. Illinois plays Nebraska. What was your thought going to Champaign and to Lincoln when you had a chance to see those two teams face-to-face? So I got to tell you, Illinois is much better than I thought they would be. Uh, Brett, first of all, it's Brett Bielema. And and we know his track record, right? The guy won three straight Big Ten titles at Wisconsin. He knows what he's doing. He understands this league. And so he has the ability to kind of get a little bit of a head start, I think. Plus, he knows the state of Illinois. I mean, he's from Illinois. No one needs to I – mean, certainly no one needs to point anyone towards Chicago. But no one needs to tell him, hey, you know, Springfield, Sacred Heart Griffin, that's, a, that's usually a good program. Or, you know, here's who's good in Peoria. He knows that. Right. Uh, and that matters in this state. Hey, where can you get players from on the margins, particularly in central Illinois, where I think Illinois has a, you know, the brand name maybe maybe carries uh, a lot of weight. So so Brett knows the landscape of the state. He understands the league. And then I think it really speaks volumes that, that he had 17 scholarship seniors from last year come back. Right. I mean, Steve, in this day and age where – Anyone can go anywhere. I mean, you don't need to be a senior anymore, right? You, you can leave and show up somewhere else and play right away. And so if you think about a group of players on a team that hasn't had a whole lot of success, you've got one last chance to play. Maybe you're a pretty good player. Some of their offensive linemen in particular, you know, Doug Kramer, Bedarian Lowe, these guys can play for just about anybody. Right. And that they said, no, nah, we're going to stick with this guy. I think that tells you a lot. It tells you that there's buy-in there and that the guys believe in kind of what he is preaching. So, I, I, you know, I was fairly impressed by Illinois. We saw those two back-to-back, and I don't think there's a huge difference between Nebraska and Illinois. What I would say is, in terms of the track record, like I still really like Adrian Martinez. He just needs to cut down on the mistakes. You know, he just coughs up the ball too much. But 
But when he's on, he's pretty good. I mean, the guy completed more than 70% of his passes last year. I do think the quarterback position just matters disproportionately in college football. Now, Brandon Peters had a lot of issues last year in terms of, you know, COVID. And um, so I don't think we necessarily got kind of the his best foot forward. And, and two years ago when we saw Brandon Peters, like, you know, he was pretty good. I mean, 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He wasn't bad. So, but but I do think the advantage slightly goes to Nebraska at the quarterback spot. But but man, I, I, Illinois staff impressed me, and um, again, a lot of experience there, and it wouldn't surprise me in the least were Illinois to win that game. When we get around to next week, more Big Ten games, including Minnesota taking on Ohio State and C.J. Stroud. I don't think it was any surprise he was named the starter by Ryan Day. When you had a chance to see him in person and talk to Ryan about him, what what was the conversation like? Well, the day we were there, C.J. Stroud threw maybe three passes. Uh, He was kind of tossing it around with the other quarterbacks at the beginning, and then that was it. So, and we talked to Ryan Day afterwards, and this was a a bit of an open practice, so they, uh, we were able to kind of roam around, but they let some of the other reporters in, and they kind of have this way of they all kind of gather in in the end zone and watch from there, and and there were many alarm bells being set off. And so then Ryan Day said afterward, no, that was pre-planned. We just, we had decided essentially that C.J. Stroud was our starter. And we've had these guys throw a lot of passes here in camp. And, and this was just kind of a planned rest day for him. So I can't really speak much to C.J. Stroud <laughs> other than he ha- he hands the ball off really well, Steve. Like, he's really good at that. I'm not surprised at that. I mean, I, I, and I'm impressed that he can do that. <laughs> Uh, so, but, but, you know, leadership, I mean, you can just kind of see in the way that he carries himself. But I, I do think sometimes we have this tendency when you're in camp um, to kind of have this uh, affirmation of, of what others are telling you uh, be, because, you know, we're dropping in for one day. And so you're kind of saying, okay, so what are they seeing in this guy? And, and then, you know, you have to say, okay, yeah, well, I kind of see that. But, but I do think there was kind of, there was this leadership. There was kind of this way that he was, speaking to the other guys, uh, whether it be on the sidelines, whether it be the other quarterbacks kind of pointing and directing, and you just got a sense that, that he was in charge. Um, and again, is that, is that just affirmation or is, is that really the case? I think we'll find out here in, in the not too distant future, because look, they got two really challenging games. Like Minnesota's good, man. I mean, they are physically good. Yeah, They look the part. So um, we'll see if they're better on defense than they were a year ago. But, I mean, like that offensive line, whew, yeah. uh, they've got some really good skill. So I think they will be a very worthy challenge for Ohio State in the opener. And then and we all know how good Oregon has been uh, in recent years. So we'll know how good C.J. Stroud is in, in relatively short order and how good Ohio State is. I will say this, Steve, they look different than the rest of the league. Right. Like go past the quarterback. They just physically look different. They have for a long time, uh, really for the entire time we've been doing this. Now, that doesn't mean that other teams can't beat them. I mean, we have seen other teams, as you are well aware, beat them. We've seen other teams win the Big Ten. Uh, but it it has kind of been a one-off. I mean, there's still been this feeling uh, that, wow, like Ohio State's really good, and they're constructed different, they recruit different. Now, Penn State would be one. I mean, you know, all you have to do is look at the recruiting rankings for, for next year and you look at how good they've been and how competitive they've been with Ohio State through the years. Yep. You know, Penn State's one of those that certainly is in that discussion of, of who can knock them off. 
but but Ohio State does physically look different than the rest of the league. And what was the impression you did get of Sean Clifford when you were there that Saturday? I didn't think he had a great day. No. I, I I don't know if you would agree. Yeah, I agree, um, with, you. I agree with that. You, you know, but again, I think this is the this is kind of the risk that we run and we parachute in for one day right. and then we draw these broad sweeping conclusions. And I, I just don't necessarily think they're always accurate. Uh, on that particular day, Sean Clifford wasn't great, but I would also say, you know, we understand Sean Clifford's track record. And, and in the last four games last year, he was really good. He cut down on the interceptions. He made much better decisions. The team was better. It felt like something clicked with them for whatever reason after uh, a shocking start, frankly. I mean, to yeah. be in the top 10 and then to start 0-5, I mean, right. it literally had never been done in the history of college football. But, but for them to turn it around in the way that they did, I, I thought it showed a ton of buy-in. And Sean Clifford was a lot better down the stretch, and Sean Clifford was really good two years ago. So I by no means would write him off or say that I think he's a liability for them. I would just say... He didn't have a great first five games last year, and he didn't have a great day when we were there. But that doesn't mean I don't think he can be a good quarterback. I, I guess I worry a little bit about what's behind him. Uh, I didn't think Taquan Robertson, uh, Roberson rather, had a great day when we were there either. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, is that a concern? It's probably a bit of a concern. But, but you know what? Their running back room is great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's really, really good. I think the offensive line has gotten better. Uh, they have one of the best receivers in the league in Jahan Dotson, and then Parker Washington had as good a freshman year as, as anyone in the Big Ten. Um, I think they have to get a little bit better on defense than where they were a year ago, but certainly Brent Pry's track record tells us that they can. I think they made some good uh, additions up front in a transfer portal that could help them right away. So I think there's just a lot to like about Penn State, but, you know, man, that's a tough game. I mean, their, their first three games, like, yeah. you know, Ball State's got a ton of experience yeah. coming back. Let's not look past them. And, yeah. of course, we know what it is to, to go to Madison. And, and Auburn, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, my, the last memory I have of them is them getting steamrolled by Northwestern in their bowl game. But, um, you know, it's still Auburn. Yeah. Uh, new coaching staff, you don't know exactly what to expect, although we'll, we'll be three games in at that point. But, uh, that's a tough first three games for for Penn State. So we'll we'll learn a lot, and s- similar to what we were saying about CJ Stroud, we'll we'll learn a lot about where Penn State is in in those first three games. Finally, what was the general impression we had of Wisconsin because COVID played such a big role in their up and down season last year? It did. They were really impressive. So uh, they're kind of in that next group, which I think Penn State is into. Of um, you know, kind of who can challenge Ohio State, who could beat them in a in a one off, who could end up if. Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten. Who could win it? Uh, Wisconsin defensively, I, I just think it's going to be really, really good. Uh, they, yeah, they were really good last year. Uh, you know, this was a team that that led the Big Ten in in total defense and was in the top handful in the country. They, for the fifth time in Paul Chris six years, were in the top ten in, in the nation in scoring defense, and and they figured to be really good again. I, I think we were a little worried about uh, that group up front, but. Um, they were they were impressive when we were there. It, it feels like they've got some answers that you know Matt Henningsen is back. He was injured last year, uh, missed most of last season. They had a, a kid named Keanu Benton who uh, was really promising up front in that post tackle spot. Uh, he just dominated some drills. 
So to me, I think they've answered the questions up front on defense. And then offensively, look, they weren't great last year, but, but you mentioned it. I mean, COVID really did a number on them. Uh, Graham Mertz looked very solid. Uh, they get back two guys who were hurt last year at receiver and Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor who were very good. The one thing I'd say is running back didn't really jump out. Uh, there there yeah. just doesn't seem to be an obvious answer there. Uh, Jalen Berger's fine. I think he's a, a perfectly good back. But, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, Jonathan Taylor, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's just not. And, and, and all these great backs that they've had through the years, I mean, it just seems like you look back there and there's always at least one guy, and sometimes there's two or three. I'm just not sure there is. They got a transfer from Clemson, Ches Malusi, who had a decent day when we were there. Um, a couple freshmen uh, who looked okay. But I, I just don't think there's anyone who you're going to say, how do we deal with that guy? Uh, and, and so that might be the one issue, Wisconsin. But uh, I was impressed, Steve. I, I think they're really good. That's going to be a great game. I mean, how cool is it to have these games right off the top? I mean, yeah. to have... Penn State going to Wisconsin to have Iowa and Indiana playing one another. I think Minnesota-Ohio State's going to be a really good game. Nebraska-Illinois, Michigan State-Northwestern, there's just interesting storylines. So I know the coaches don't always love it, but for the fans, <laughs> for the broadcasters, you know, I mean, they, they'd maybe like to open with some directional FCF, FCS team to, to kind of figure out where they are. But but for fans, for broadcasters, for all of us, man, it's it's fun. And I think the players embrace it, too, this notion of, hey, we're playing someone really good off the top. Absolutely. Dave, always great. Thanks so much. Appreciate you very much. All right, my friend. Great to talk to you, Steve. In this time slot, for the first time this season, looking forward to it very, very much. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, uh, great to have you with us. Uh, we're going to talk about the Eagles in the next half hour, so don't don't tune out. Hey, hang in. <laughs> hey, it's been a good week so far for the Eagles up in Florham didn't Park. Lose. Yeah, exactly. Didn't lose. <laughs> That's right. They didn't. I mean, I mean, now, just because they haven't scored a point in two weeks. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Well, in six quarters, roughly. 
Yeah, it's been a while. But that's okay. The next time you score, you'll improve. Right. 